Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Social awareness. That's to take a piss. Don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right. Welcome to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Rivero. As always, I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Uh, Johnny, we are about a couple of week, week and change away from the, the NFL draft. Round one is sun or Thursday night, although the Rams do not draft on Thursday night anymore. So uh, I will probably be really tuning in next Friday. Uh, how you doing, man? You excited? We're finally here. Or we're close. Oh, man, I, I'm excited every year during this time. You know, the NFL draft to me is just, it's amazing. I love it. And uh, every year I, I get together, at least in the first round, I, I get together with my buddies and we'll go watch the first round, usually at a bar. Last year we weren't able to do that, but we we did a Zoom call and had some drinks with the Zoom call watching, the, watching it on, on TV. Um, so this year I, I hope to get my buddies into a bar again and, uh, you know, watch the first round, even though the Rams, they don't draft in the first round and haven't, uh, this is going to be the fifth straight year, I believe. <laughs> the last, uh, yep. Fifth straight year. And our last first round pick was Jared Gopp. So we've essentially gone six straight years without having any, like, real need to analyze the first round well that's not true one of the what year did we draft taylor rap 2019 yeah yeah so that year we did have a first round pick we talked a lot about what we thought the Rams should do and they traded out <laughs> so it didn't even matter um but yeah this year again the rams do not have a first round pick they will not have a first round pick for the next two years so this is just the new normal for us as as we say in today's times but you know what, man? It, 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 it it's kind of fun. Like I I kind of love the fact that they a they keep bringing talent. Like I don't think any of the trades to get rid of first round picks were bad ones. You could argue that well, maybe they shouldn't have traded up for Jared Goff and given away that pick. But uh, 
look, man, he got us to the Super Bowl. Like, if you told me at the time, when we traded up for that pick, if you told me, like, at the time, exactly how the next five years of Jared Goff would go, I would say, yeah, you do that every fucking time. Do you give him the contract extension? No. But you make that trade every time. He, you trade up for Jared Goff. He, he has two really incredible seasons and leads your team to a Super Bowl. Like, there's no reg- – I don't think – I don't have regrets on that pick. I don't have regrets on trading up for it. In hindsight, would you have just not traded up and taken Dra- Dak Prescott later on? Like, obviously. But nobody has that knowledge. Like, I, I don't have any regrets on any of these first-round trades. We'll see with Matthew Stafford, but I think the process was the right one, and I don't regret it. No, I mean, uh, earlier this week, they uh, somebody had asked uh, Les Snead if he regretted signing Jared Goff to a contract extension, and he said no. And obviously, people are going to point out saying that he's going to try and cover himself by, you know, saying that he doesn't regret doing some of the things he's done. And I think what people are, what people are really asking is... Did he wish it it could have gone better? Obviously, yes. But uh, as Steve and I have kind of said numerous times on this podcast, it was the right move to do to get an extension for for Jared Goff, and just and even though it didn't work out, um, it was the right move to move on from him and trade for Matthew Stafford. So even if Stafford doesn't turn out to be the quarterback we were hoping for, uh, which I highly doubt. I, I'm fairly confident in, in Matthew Stafford. It, it was still the right move because Jared Goff wasn't gonna. He he wasn't a fit for this team anymore. And like and like we've said multiple times as well. Even if he has a historic, uh, rejuvenating career in Detroit, which I highly doubt. Um, you know, he it, it it it's kind of a moot point because he's not a good fit in in L.A. and he hasn't been for the past couple of years. So, you know, I I, I tend to agree with Les Need here. You know, I I know we're uh, we're always gonna say hindsight's twenty twenty, but some people really need to realize that there's a reason why people say that and. You know, while we could beat a dead horse saying what Les Snead should or shouldn't have done, in the heat of the moment, I feel like Les Snead has done a pretty good job in terms of who he signed and who he's traded for. And in the words of legendary Philadelphia 76ers general manager Sam Hinkie, it's about process, not outcome. And the process of signing Jared Goff to that extension, as we've talked about, you know, at length in this podcast, was he was coming off a big Super Bowl game, or not a bad Super Bowl game, but a big Super Bowl run. He's young. He's played very well in the system. You lock him up when you could get him for as little money as you think you can because, you know, the process thinking is he's going to continue to play well, and two years from now, you're going to have to pay him even more money because quarterbacks make more money every year, as we saw with Dak Prescott, uh, as we saw with Pat Mahomes, who got, you know, unbelievable amounts of money. You signed the extension because, you know, you you want to keep him at a, at a lower price than he would be in two years if you're confident that he's going to continue to play well, and they were clearly confident that he would, and he didn't. And like you said with Stafford, 
what matters for us to make that a good trade is Matthew Stafford has to play on another level than 2019 and Tony Jared Goff played, like a much higher level. If Matthew Stafford plays at the level 2018 Jared Goff played, then I am fine with the trade because you could win with 2018 Jared Goff. Uh, it doesn't really matter what Jared Goff does in in Detroit because, you know, that doesn't affect your process. Like, I would love if he goes to Detroit and makes a couple of Pro Bowls. But as long as Matthew Stafford is playing better than Jared Goff was when he was here, you know, if Jared Goff goes there and dominates, like, yeah, it's going to look bad upon us. But I don't necessarily think that means we made the wrong decision. But that was a long time ago. And now we're going to talk about the upcoming NFL draft. The, <laughs> the Rams, similar to last year, they pick at 57 for their first pick. Last year they had two second-round picks. They picked at 52 and 57. They took Cam Akers at 52, Van Jefferson at 57. Uh, Johnny, I looked at a bunch of mock drafts to doing some research for this pod, and what I found crazy was like the six or so mocks I looked at all had the Rams taking interior offensive linemen, and none of them were the same offensive linemen. Uh, some of the guys that we had here, Alabama offensive linemen, Alex Leatherhead, Landon Dickerson from Alabama, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, James Hudson from Cincinnati, Dylan Renews from North Dakota State, and Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. So it's it's crazy. Like when you when you get out of the first round, I feel like there's less of a consensus about what you're gonna do. There's really no consensus about what the Rams are gonna do, and I think the mo- the prevailing theory is that they will go interior offensive lineman with this pick. It's a theory I think will happen not one that I necessarily think should happen but I mean it's it's crazy like the the amount of different scenarios that could play out at 57 uh when that's your first pick with the just like the number of guys that could be there you don't know who's gonna fall uh you don't know who's gonna rise there's just so many ways this can go uh Sorry, I, I got sidetracked there for a second. <laughs> I hope it was something good. Uh, no, not really. I uh, <laughs> actually, I think the listeners will, will love this. So, I uh, I have two cats in the house right now, and one of them actually, uh, I I normally will shoo them out of the room. I'm I'm doing the podcast then. One of them happened to sneak in the room, and I had no idea that this cat was in, in this room. And so I had to kind of quickly shoo him out, because even though for the most part they're kind of quiet, I just know that if I leave them in here, they will use this one opportunity to prove me wrong, and <laughs> and just meow like out, off the top of their lungs. So I was, I was kind of quickly chewing them out and i didn't get here fast enough so uh save, so yeah that was save that content for june that's when we're gonna need a meowing on the pod yeah seriously uh yeah june is hey. but uh <laughs> anyway um back to uh to the nfl draft here so to kind of point out to your uh point here steve one of the reasons why you see a lot of the mock drafts um, you know, particularly picking interior offensive linemen is because it's a good year for it. Like, there's 
I, there's there's really good, particularly at guard. There's a lot of good interior guards and and uh, who can also double as a center as well. Which, as we know, with uh, history with uh, Sean McVay, he, he loves particularly prospects that can uh, play just about any position on the offensive line. So this is a good year to select a uh, an offensive guard or maybe a center. Um, you know, not the deepest class dead center, but there's still some quality centers in here. There's about three or four that I can list off the top of my head that I think um, could easily become, uh, uh, you know, maybe not a starter right right away, but maybe could challenge for a starting role. Um, and that's that's not easy to do in the NFL level. Any offensive line position, that it's hard for a rookie to just step in and become that starter. Even the guys that are selected in the top 10, you know, don't always pan out as we are very well aware. So, um, that's particularly why you see that. I mean, there's, the Rams have some needs here and there. Um, they're not overwhelming amounts of needs, but there, there are some needs that the Rams have um, at, at particular positions, like, for example, defensive end. Uh, it's not an overwhelming need because, you know, obviously you you have still a, a stacked defensive line despite losing guys like Michael Brockers. But, you know, it wouldn't hurt to have another defensive end in the rotation there. I think that's kind of something that we would like the Rams to look out for. However... Defensive end is not a very strong class this year. In fact, it's probably one of the weaker classes that we've seen in recent years. Uh, so, while there could be guys that fall, like uh, a, a guy that comes to mind is like a guy like Gregory Russo. He, um, he He's a talented guy for sure, and, and uh, if he drops far enough, I, I'd love the Rams to take a look at him. But the thing is, he's, he has that kind of overrated tendencies that we tend to see in guys um, like, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of a prospect last year. Um, it, it'll come to me later. I don't want to spend too much time thinking about that. But um, there, there are a lot of guys that just, you know, rise because of their athleticism. And Russo just doesn't really scream like uh, instant starter. So, while I wouldn't mind having him in, say, like, the third round, which, by the way, is no way in hell being dropping down to the third round. Um, yeah, in the second round, I would be very hesitant to use that second round pick on him, especially when there are going to be other prospects available that I feel like the Rams could take advantage of. And uh, his name is basically uh, just like a more sexier pick than say a, an offensive lineman. Um, and of course there's inside linebackers who you and I, uh, have been just absolutely trying to <laughs> convince less need, uh, like, because, you know, he definitely listens to our podcasts. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah big, I'm sure big he's butting that guy. They're oh, actually going to play yeah. it. They're going to play it on the speak, their speakers leading up to the draft at the Rocket Mortgage, whatever the fuck, Cabana, Cabana draft setup they, they, they're doing the draft at this year. 
Oh man, that place is beautiful too. Like seriously, if you guys just just look it up, guys. It it's a stunning beach house. I I mean, like I I have to question: Is that a draft room or are they on vacation? Because it it's beautiful, man. I and then all the Rams gear involved. And like, is, are you sure that's not my house? That it's, I would love that house. It just feels like so like fucking just random. Like, why are they doing this? Like, why is Rocket Mortgage sponsoring a draft studio? Uh, Why aren't they doing it at their facilities or at the, like, $5 billion stadium they just built? Like, they're just renting out some, like, pool house. Like, it looks incredible. I'm sure they're going to have a blast. But, like, I just, the whole thing is just, like, why is this happening? Why is this a news story? Why is Rocket Mortgage sponsoring this? Like, it's just so... One of the most random things the Rams have done. It, it, it certainly is, but... Hey, you know, if... Uh, if if Rocket Mortgage approached them saying, Hey, we have this uh, beach house that we think would make an excellent draft room for you. And they paid the Rams, which I don't know if they did or not. But I imagine there might be some sort of compensation in that regard. Um... Why not? You know, <laughs> why the hell not? I'm sure. I'm sure you know guys like Les Snead and Sean McVay is is not going to mind at all. Yeah, man. No, I'm sure they're going to have a blast. So I, I guess like with this draft, you know, at 57, I think they will make the pick. I doubt they'll trade back. I could see them trading up if they really like somebody that's falling out of the first round. I I could see them. You know, if there's a guy in the 40s that they really want, I could see them packaging 57 and one of their third-round picks to move up. Uh, That wouldn't shock me. I feel like they won't move back. But I think, you know, and Crick, I don't know if you agree with this, I think their four biggest needs and really, like, the only positions I think they would consider drafting in the first three rounds unless somebody they really like falls. I think it's offensive line. It's probably number one, moving up with Austin Blythe departing. Uh, there's a lot of depth we have, but also, like, the guys in the lines, you know, they're, A, our tackles are aging, and B, the guys in the interior I like, but they're not, you know, surefire studs and one of the more sure things left. I think that's probably the biggest need. Two is inside linebacker. I, If you've been listening to this podcast, I have, do not need to elaborate. And then I think three and four – are lesser needs, but I think they're going to look at cornerbacks and I think they're going to look at edge rushers. And I don't really like, unless there's a receiver that they are in love with that falls, um, which is possible. Same, I guess with a tight end. Like if there's somebody they really like that falls, I, I don't not really familiar with the tight end class beyond Kyle Pitts. I don't, I don't really think they're going to be looking at a lot of their other positions. You know, I don't really think they're going to explore safeties. I think they like what they have in the building. Um, they might explore interior defensive linemen, but I, I feel like that'll be around four round later rounds kind of thing. Uh, I feel like those are the four positions, and I honestly think they will go with an interior defensive lineman unless a inside unless like there are a couple inside linebackers that I think are perfect fits, and we're going to talk about them a little bit. But I I think it's probably offensive line. Now, what do you think? Yeah, I'm. I'm more than. Uh, I w- I would say I'm more than about sixty percent certain that they're gonna at least with the second or third round pick or one of the third round picks, I should say, 
um, will be an offensive lineman. But uh, a lot of it has to do with who falls, who stays there, who they're in love with. Uh, you know, it would not surprise me at all if if the Rams approached an offensive tackle. You know, one of the things to keep in mind is guys like um, Big Wit isn't going to be around forever, even though it feels like that sometimes. He, he's just, he's not going to be around forever. So to find his, his protege is is going to be, it's going to be difficult because, you know, obviously that's such a high level of playing, even at his older age. And then to, you know, kind of start over again, that's going to be tough. So that might be something to look out for. Uh, so, you know, in terms of offensive tackles, I personally wouldn't draft one uh, in the second round unless somebody fell. And that's kind of like uh, who whom I'm looking at. You know, guys like Liam Eckenberg. You know, I, I would love to have him, a uh, guy out of uh, Notre Dame. The, kind of the biggest knock with him is he played on such a star-studded uh, offensive line in, in Notre Dame. It's hard to say, you know, if he's going to really excel on the NFL level. Uh, but it, it wouldn't be a bad matchup to come to an offensive line like the Los Angeles Rams, who have a, you know, may not be the most elite offensive line, but it, it's pretty capable. So, you know, I would love to, to have an opportunity to draft him. But the thing is, he's a guy that would probably need to fall. Um, and it, it's not going to be a guarantee that he'll get there. Um, even much lesser to an extent, Sam Cosme from uh, Texas would love to have him as well. Um, these are guys that aren't necessarily uh, a must-have because it's essentially a, somewhat of a luxury pick, but it is something to consider down the road. And who knows, maybe if they're talented enough, they could find a spot, uh, maybe, uh, you know, challenge guys like uh, um, uh, Rob Havenstein or, uh, heck, maybe they decide to start him right away at left tackle and, and move uh, Big Wit over to guard. He, he said earlier this week that he, want, he wouldn't have minded to move to guard uh, if the Rams went after Trent Williams. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that obviously that's beyond ridiculous to think that with a rookie, but, you know, it is something that the Rams really have to consider because I, I don't know, man, I, I think Joseph Noteboom did okay as his backup, but I, as I've mentioned countless times, he is not a left tackle. I, I'm just going to say that he's just not a left tackle, uh, good in a pinch, but that's about it. And I wouldn't be shocked if they try to get that air parent here. Like, uh, like, uh, I can like you mentioned, because, you know, think about it like this. If the Rams just straight up forfeited all their draft picks, what's their ceiling? It's probably still a Super Bowl champs. Like, they're still a Super Bowl contender, I think, if they just, if every guy they pick just does nothing this year. Um, are they more likely to <laughs> win a Super Bowl if they draft a starting center, a starting inside linebacker, and a starting cornerback? Yeah, obviously. But uh, I think they can take some swings and maybe make some luxury picks uh, if they, you know, if, if they feel like they, they 
there's guys that they really like at that position. You know, if there's an offensive tackle like Eichenberg who falls and they're sitting there saying, well, we probably wouldn't play him, but, you know, in a year or two when Witt retires or when Havenstein's contract comes up, you know, we think this guy could be the guy and we don't feel that way about Joseph Noteboom. They probably would draft him. Uh, I mean, last year, when they are a team who wasn't really a Super Bowl contender, they drafted a running back and a wide receiver that were not at the top of their list of needs, but still somewhat needs, like offensive tackle would be. So, yeah, I, I, I am really – there's a lot of directions they could go. So I want to propose this to you, Johnny. Let's say in a perfect world, at 57, you're the GM. This could be a player that falls a little bit, you know, not like Kyle Pitts, but like, you know, a guy who maybe is grading out in the late first round, early second. In a perfect world, at 57, a guy that you really want lands in the Rams' lap, you know, Denzel Mims-esque. But this time they draft him. Who is that player? Who is your who is your dream pick at 57? Oof, there's so many. Uh, um, there's two that immediately come to mind. And I'll start with the more practical one that people will expect us to pick, and you know that's the inside linebacker position. Jamin Davis, um, he's a inside linebacker, as I mentioned. I personally think that Jamin Davis is a guy that can um, can you know completely upgrade the position instantly, even as a rookie, just because he's a guy that. Um, that covers, you know, very well, which is something we haven't seen since Corey Littleton. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things that the Rams didn't see a lot of is, is good coverage in the inside. Uh, and that was what was exposed in the playoffs against the Green Bay Packers. So to have even just one guy that was, um, you know, decent at coverage, I feel like that would instantly boost the defense. I think I I would really love to have him there at uh, pick fifty seven. And to, to and to tell you the truth, I don't know if he's gonna be there. You know, uh, and, and you know, he didn't come from like a huge huge name school. He came out of Kentucky, uh, which hey, you know, great in basketball, not so much in football. So, um, yeah, but also plays in the best conference in college football. So it's not like he's That's true. out there playing against nobody. That's true. You know, so he did see some competition there. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, I don't know if he's going to be there. But if he is there, I hope and pray that Les Snead drafts the guy because he would be a fantastic pick at 57. And before I hand it back to you, Steve, there's one more prospect that I think would be an absolute home run pick. Um, and I'm curious. I'm curious if you can even guess the position because I don't think you would even guess the position I'm thinking about. Well, I, I want to talk about Davis before we go to this guy because I want to give I want to give your um, – A, I'm really curious if I can't guess the position, but I also want to give your guy the time of day. Um, okay. Dude, I would trade up for Jamin Davis. Not Obviously not to like 30, but if he's sitting there in the 40s, and, you know, you could give up 103 and maybe get a fourth-round pick back to move up to take this guy. I would do it. He's 
is a one-year starter at Kentucky. Like you said, Kentucky, it's not a great football school, but also they play against a shitload of great football schools. So for him to have success there, I think, means a lot. And especially if he's a one-year starter and he's flying up draft boards like this. Uh, from the scouting reports I've read on the tape I've watched, he's a, a really great coverage inside linebacker. Seems like from day one, he'll be able to to play in coverage. Uh, he's, a, he's a good pass rusher. Might need some work as a, as a tackler, but like overall, a guy who could do a lot at this position. And he's, you know, he's got good size and he's a raw prospect. And, you know, if he had another year as a starter, Kentucky, maybe he's a first round pick. But like to me, when you're a team in the Rams position, like this is the guy that you go and get because, you know, he's, he, there's some risks there, but the ceiling feels so high with him. And just like, I don't think there's a more perfect situation for a raw inside linebacker who is probably going to make some mistakes from day one, uh, but will also show a lot of promise. You know, there's not a better position to go to than the current Los Angeles Rams because who the fuck have we been playing inside linebacker, man? Like a guy who could do some really great things in pass coverage and some really great things in, uh, you know, rushing the quarterback, but maybe he's going to make some mistake and show some lapses is better than guys that we've played in the past. And our defense has still been elite with that. Like, and if he, and if he pans out, man, like think about how much that would upgrade your defense to have another weapon in the middle in a guy like this, who, if he really realizes his potential, you know, I think he, if they obviously, if they take an inside linebacker in the second round, he's starting from day one. Uh, if he doesn't, there's almost no point in making that pick. Uh, but, yeah, man, he he seems like a perfect fit. Like, the dream inside linebacker I would want. Like, can cover people, uh, has potential to be a really good good tackler, and just, like, has potential to be a great three-down linebacker. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I was I, – I, I remember first seeing, like, footage of this guy, and I was thinking, damn, I, I would love for him to be on the Rams. I could definitely see this guy – being in a Rams uni, and uh, I, I'd l- love to have him. Now, as for the next p- dream prospect for me, let me get uh, let me guess the position. Yeah, go for it. He's saying it's a curveball. I'm gonna go with defensive tackle. Good guess. It is on the defensive side of the ball, but it is cornerback actually. Ah, okay. It's not too much of a curveball. Uh, well, it is somewhat of a need. Um, I wouldn't say it's as important as say like a interior lineman or inside linebacker, but somewhat of a need for sure. Like let's be honest here. If the Rams didn't even address the position, would you be at all nervous? Cause I don't think I would. Uh, I'd be a little nervous. I, but I also don't, you know, I, I don't think they'll take a corner in the second round. Though. I, I love, I love to hear who you have. Um, but I think they are going to add a corner in the third or fourth or the later rounds. Um, yeah, I would be a little nervous if we had to rely on like David Long, but also our top two guys are really fucking good. And like a lot of other positions on defenses we've had in the past, if those guys are killing it, you're going to get by. So I don't think it would make or break the defense, but I'd be, it would, I'd be cautious, uh, if they don't take one. For sure. And, and, you know, like, like you said, it, it is an imperative for them to go after a cornerback in, in the second round. And truthfully, I wouldn't want the Rams to go after a cornerback unless it was a guy that was an absolute stud that fell 
to the second round. Um, because there's certainly guys out there in like the third or fourth round that the Rams could grab, and he would they would be excellent slot corners uh, or nickel corners like uh, Sean Wade from uh, Ohio State. There, the that kind of guy is is there. You know, they're they're there. But um, an absolute stud of a prospect dropping to pick 57 would be Georgia cornerback Tyson Campbell. He is. An absolute stud on the field. Somebody that actually plays a lot bigger than he is. Like, um, he, he's he's a decent size in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of height. Like, I believe he's like 6'1", 6'2". Uh, but in terms of, like, like uh, broadness, this guy isn't, like, the biggest guy out there on the field. But, man, he'll, uh, his hustle out there, um, he'll sit there and he'll rock players, man. I've seen him hit some some players, and I'm like, wow. Now, do I think he can do that on the NFL level? I don't. I don't advise him to go after you know uh, a stud of a of a running back in the NFL like uh, Derrick Henry, or you know, then he's gonna really look stupid. But um, you know, for a guy that for a cornerback to be very confident in his tackling ability and to sit there and be uh, great in coverage, um, very quick for his size as well. I, I'm absolutely, I'd be absolutely psyched if the Rams could somehow get Tyson Campbell. I don't know if I would go as far as to say I'd want the Rams to trade up for him, just because again, cornerback isn't a absolute necessity at pick two or in round two. Um, but if he's there and he's sitting there at 57, I would love it if the Rams took him. Um, but if Jamin Davis is there, I think I would be okay with the Rams passing on him for Jamin Davis. Just saying. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I first of all, like you mentioned, he doesn't have the greatest size. Like six one is legitimate size for a cornerback. Like, uh, I, I think that that's great size. How, how tall no, is Jalen Ramsey? No, 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 not not in terms of height. I meant in size and broadness. Right, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I think he, I think he'd be a really solid pick, and I, I think, you know, if a guy like that, that they, they're, if they're sold on him as much as you are, and, like, guys they don't have higher than him aren't there, like, I think they would take him. I think they'll, with this pick, because they're so loaded, like, and yeah, you need a center, and yeah, you need an inside linebacker, but you might be able to get those in the third. Um, they, they will probably go best player available to an extent, like. If Trey Lance is there at 57, are they going to take him? No. But, like, also, <laughs> not not that I think it's going to happen at all. But, like, I think pretty much every other position that's not quarterback and that's not running back is going to be in play at 57 if there's a guy they really like who falls to that number. Uh, I mean, I, what do you think? Like, I, I, I really think – I think inside, interior lineman is the overwhelming favorite with – inside linebacker as the runner-up. But, I mean, I if there's a guy they really like that falls, I think they're going to take him. Leslie has done it in the past, and especially when you're drafting at this point with a Super Bowl contending team. Like, uh, I will faint if they draft a quarterback. I will faint if they draft a running back. But beyond that, I think anything is in play. So don't bust the Eagles. <laughs> Although, like, you know. It did work out. Like I said, like, I mean, I mentioned Trey Lance, but realistically – if Trey Lance was sitting there at 57, they might draft him. Like, Matthew Zappert is not that young. 
Oh, I, man. I, that whole I would have so much happen, mixed feelings on that. I mean, I, I can't imagine that happens. Somebody would trade up before us. Um, For sure. But, you, you know, you never know. Uh, a guy I, I, I really like, uh, inside linebacker Jabril Cox out of LSU, played a lot of football at North Dakota, was dominant before transferring to LSU, but held his own at LSU, was a really good player there. Um, he, Thor Nystrom of NBC Sports compared him to Corey Littleton, which is great. That's exactly what we need. We have a Corey littleton size hole in this defense. Uh, he had three interceptions, five deflections at LSU, so, you know, Day one, if we draft him, kind of like Jermaine Davis, could be a very solid and reliable coverage linebacker, which I think this team desperately needs. Uh, he needs some brunt work as a run stopper, but, you know, the potential's there. If he's there at 57, I, w- I would love to take him. I think Jamin Davis would be the better fit, but I think Jabril Cox is a more realistic play at 57 uh, without trading up. I mean, how do you feel about him? Oh, I'd absolutely love Jabril Cox at, at uh, 57. He certainly uh, could be available at, at, at pick 57, too. Much more certain than, like, Jamin Davis. I, I think it would take an absolute miracle for Jamin Davis to be there at 57. Um, so I, I think he's going to be a prospect that the Rams would have to trade up for. And I, I just don't think the Rams are going to do that. Uh, if anything, I feel like the Rams would trade down. Um I just, that's how I feel. But uh, Jabril Cox is definitely uh, somebody the Rams could go after and uh, could be there. Um, Although, again, we know that inside linebacker isn't exactly a top priority. Uh, At least it seems as though they're not a top priority. So, I don't know. We'll have to see. But um, I, I wouldn't mind that at pick 57 I think that would be a solid pickup certainly fills a need um and he wouldn't be a reach at all I feel like he would be um a perfect player to have at pick 57 um but yeah I would be totally okay with the Rams going after Jabril Cox at, at pick 57 and I I don't think they will go inside linebacker but I I genuinely do think it'll be in play um I mean obviously I'm not friends with Les need I don't know what he's thinking but like I feel like yeah, it has to be in play. <laughs> it has to be in play based on the performance you've got at the position and what adding that position could be um what what would happen if you added that position to this defense like it would elevate it completely if you add in a a day one starter in the second round now that being said, because they didn't replace Austin Blythe in free agency, I think and because they let him go at that fucking comical price point, like I think they will. I think that is where they're going to go. And if they do go inside interior offensive linemen, uh, Johnny, tell me if this player will be available. I've kind of fallen in love with Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma center. Uh, he was a three-year starter at Oklahoma. <laughs> Everyone's got a report I've read on him. just says he has just like the intangibles that you want. He's a team leader. He's tough as nails. Uh, he's got good core strength. He has a wrestling background. He's not a great athlete, but he plays center. So like you don't have to be that great of an athlete. Uh, really just screams like a guy that if the Rams draft him at 57, he's going to start day one. Uh, he's going to step in and be your replacement at center and seems like he could be a good center for a long time. Uh, but I've seen him go all over the place in mock drafts. I mean, do you think, A, do you like Creed Humphrey, and B, do you think he'll be there at 57? So here's the thing, um, and, and uh, we kind of touched on that in, uh, in a previous podcast. Uh, center's 
is kind of an interesting position because in the past you could probably land the top center in like the late second, early third round pick. And that's just not the case anymore. You know, we've seen in recent uh, in recent drafts that centers can go as high as, you know, the middle of the first round, which was unheard of, you know, I would say five, ten years ago. And now the importance of the position is just elevated. And the same thing with the guard position. Guard, same thing. You can prob- uh, In the past, you could probably land uh, a top guard in like the second round and that'd be fine and now they can go as high as the uh the top 15 uh for for uh offensive guard it's really not that unheard of anymore but that being said that's why it's being uh it's it's hard to really do a mock draft for centers because it just really depends on needs of other teams and just what uh what positions are you know the what positions are really great in in this draft class and i think that like i said earlier i think interior draft uh interior offensive linemen are great in this draft class so um hard to say i would like to say that he'd be available um and it wouldn't be a big stretch if he is uh so I do think it's possible that he could fall to us at pick 57, but it may not be, it, it, it'll be tough, I'll say. I, um, stranger things will have happened if if he does indeed land there. Uh, some of the other guys, you know, like Landon Dickerson from Alabama, you know, who's also a highly regarded uh, center prospect, could certainly fall to the Rams at pick 57. Um it just really, really depends on how how many teams covet the center position in this year's draft. Yeah, that's fair. And I, you know, it's I would be shocked if they don't draft a guy who either is straight up a center or could play center in the, with one of their first three picks. Is I mean, it, who do you like? Is there a guy you think they'll ultimately end up with to to fill the role for Blythe, whether it be in the second or third? Well, like like you said, like if uh, it it really depends on on the um, it really depends on who's available. Like guys like Landon Dickerson, for example, he's a big center. Like this is a guy that could easily play guard. He's that big. And Creed Humphrey, to his credit, isn't isn't uh, small either. Um, but uh, you know, these are guys that could. could could potentially shift over to guard if need be. So I think in that regard, uh, you know, Sean McVay and, and uh, Les Snead might put their heads together seeing which one of these center prospects that are kind of larger um, would be a, a good fit. Um, but there are other uh, guys out there that, that play guard that could maybe shift over to center as well. So, you know, guys like uh, um, I've, I've heard talk of uh, – uh, Quinn Miners, he's a guy uh, from a small school, Wisconsin Whitewater. You know, he's been uh, mocked to us plenty of times. Uh, personally, I know you could probably move him over to center, but I I don't know if I'd necessarily want him at pick 57. You know, he's more of a guy that if he fell to us in the third round, I'd be more comfortable with that than uh, using the 57th overall pick. 
not necessarily because I don't think he's a good prospect or anything. I think he has plenty of potential. I think more along the lines, it's more of where you're going to use him at. Because if, you, if you're going to try and shift him over to center, he then becomes a project player, which there's nothing wrong with that. But this is not a plug-and-play uh, plug player. Um, so that's something to keep in mind if, if the Rams try and go after a guy like him. Uh, now, they could try and keep him at his natural position, keep him at guard, which he pretty much played exclusively at, at uh, Wisconsin Whitewater. And, uh, you know, that'd be fine as well. But um, that would mean you'd probably need to move over Austin Corbett to the center position, which I got to say, I don't, I'm not loving the idea of that. So I, I guess it's a possibility, and that's something that the Rams could do. But, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I, I liked Austin Corbett at guard. I, I just think it would be a mistake to move him over to center since he struggles so much at, at that position in Cleveland. Yeah, and you know he's good at center. Uh, I I agree on, on Quinn Miners. Like, I don't think you can take that kind of player at 57. Like, if you're, if you're going to draft a project offensive lineman at 57, you, it's got to be a tackle, right? Because, like, if you, you want to get, a, in, like, a guard or a center who could play now, um, you know, and this guy, he played D3, man. Like, he, he I, there's, I, like, he wouldn't be being talked about going this high in the draft if there wasn't obvious potential that he could be a great NFL offensive lineman. But, like, you need help there now. You know, you're, you, if you, at 57, you're looking at guys who could step in at B1 and day one and be a, day, a starter, uh, preferably at center, but, now, if you're drafting a guard and moving Corbett to center, like if that's your plan, I agree. I don't think it should be. Uh, you, it's still like he's not—he's not the guy that you're—you feel good about day one. Like you can't go. It's—it would be fucking unbelievable if this guy got drafted by an NFL team, started day one, and just lived up to the hype immediately. It's probably going to take a couple years, and eventually, I think he could get there, but. For our needs right now at that position, I think that would be a, a, a huge mistake. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, uh, I I wouldn't mind him, to be honest, but at a lower round, uh, you know, uh, again, it, it doesn't hurt to, um, you know, draft guys to be a project player. I mean, it, in, in essence, it kind of worked for the Rams when they drafted both uh, Bobby Evans and David Edwards. You know, these were guys that we weren't entirely sure what, what their role is going to be. And they turned out to be, you know, at least effective substitutes or in Edwards' case, uh, an effective starter. So, uh, you know, and these these were not super highly drafted guys. Uh, Edwards and, or, yeah, Edwards was the lower drafted one, I believe. The fifth round, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, Evans third, Edwards fifth. Yeah, so, you know, these aren't guys that were drafted in the first second round so you know it it's true you can find talent later on especially in interior linemen so um I, i'd be totally okay if the rams tried to draft a interior lineman 
uh, particularly guard in, in the later rounds. And, and I think that's kind of what the, the point is when, when you draft a center, you know, if you're drafting him, the later you go, the more you, this center has to particularly stay at center because, uh, obviously the, the guys higher are, are usually the larger guys that can play multiple positions and the, the true, the quote unquote true centers, um, are considered that because they're not large enough to play guard or they're not skilled enough to play guard, uh, depending on how it is you look at it. Yeah, right. And everybody wants versatility at everything now in every sport. You want to get the most versatile guys possible. And like you said, the more versatile interior offensive linemen have the potential to play center and play guard. Uh, and maybe even dabble into tackle. Like we've seen Bobby Evans has dabbled on both. Joseph Nopum has dabbled on both. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Is there... Before we wrap up, I mean, is there any other prospects you wanted to get off your chest today and talk about? We'll probably be talking about some more on next week's show, but I'll, I'll give you the floor. Uh, to tell you the truth, I, I talked about like my uh, uh, my favorites, but there there's a couple guys out there like uh, uh, Sante Samuel Jr. I wouldn't mind having him. He's actually been a guy that the Rams had a pre-draft visit. Um, I think that would be he'd be an awesome guy to have. Uh, certainly, might be a more realistic guy to be there than uh, say a Tyson Campbell. Um, I I don't know if I'd want him in uh, with the second round pick, but maybe a third rounder if he falls there. That I'm not sure. That one uh, would be tough, but I I I think it's certainly possible that he could fall. Um, Sean Wade, I, I kind of mentioned him briefly. Uh, he's more of a stereotypical, uh, nickel corner, um, uh, which that's kind of what's needed at this point. Uh, would love to have him, uh, you know, cornerback out of Ohio state. Uh, I know I'm kind of listing cornerbacks because I feel like, um, this, this year's NFL draft, it's not like the biggest cornerback class ever, but there, there's some studs um, that we could find in, in later rounds. It's not as deep as in other drafts, but certainly there, there are some guys there. So, um, yeah, uh, interior linemen, I feel like the, that those are the kind of guys you want to address early on. The later you go, it's just like you're kind of gambling at that point. You're picking a lotto pick, which I guess that's the case for a lot of positions, but uh, I feel particularly with the interior linemen, um, you're, you're taking a bigger risk, uh, later and later you go on. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's about all I got for you until next week. Um, uh, I'll save a, a little, a little more prospects till then. Save them, man. Uh, well, we got to wrap up with this. <laughs> the Rams did make a free agency acquisition today. They signed punter, punter. So right up our wheelhouse, Corey. Bojerkes, did I? Get, yeah, got that right. I, I I'm glad you said it because I I don't know. <laughs> I also do not know. Uh, the Rams love grabbing kickers with hard to pronounce names. Uh, 
he spent the last three years in Buffalo. Uh, he was their starting punter for three years. So, you know, Johnny, I, I don't know if this means anything, uh, but I just read it. Today I read an article uh, from our buddy Cam DeSilva at Ramswire saying, what does this mean for Johnny Hecker? And, you know, he kind of spells out that, like, it doesn't mean nothing. Like, they there's no protocol reason or anything to bring this guy in this late in the offseason. It might be he's a lefty punter. It might be just to give potential punt returners a second look in the preseason. Um, but also, man, when we did our player grades, we talked about how Johnny Hecker was not only coming off his the worst season of his career. Like, he was not good. He was straight up not a good punter last year. And you never know. Man, you never know. Like, Cam seems to think that the Rams wouldn't make this move if they weren't, at the very least, considering a change at punter. Now, I think the odds of Johnny Hecker not being the starting punter on day one next year are less than one. Like, I think he's going to start. But you never know, man. It's a new special teams coordinator. Um, you bring in a guy who, A, he's a free agent, so he's not, you know, not a coveted punter, but also, B, is started as a punter for the last three years. Like, I don't think it really means anything, but it's interesting to talk about whether it does or not. Well, I think more or less, if, if uh, in my personal opinion, I don't think this is more of a talent scale I don't. I don't think this is to bring in competition, uh, because Johnny Hecker isn't. Uh, um, they don't feel like Johnny Hecker is a talented punter. He, he's he's definitely a talented punter. I I don't think that's. No, I, I don't think that he's one of the best punters of the last thirty years, probably. Um, for but sure. Last year he didn't play like it. No, he didn't, and there there could be numerous reasons. I mean. The the interim special teams coach was only there for one season. So that says a lot in and of itself. The special teams in general wasn't that effective. Um, so that could be one of the reasons why of, of his ineffective uh, play. But I think if any reason that Johnny Hecker isn't in a Rams uniform in 2021... It's because of financial reasons, and um, I, if I recall correctly, the Rams could save somewhere like uh, about the three million dollar range if they cut him in June first, which it doesn't sound like a lot because it's really not, but for a team that you know is counting their pennies, that's significant. So. That could be a reason, you know, because let's put it this way. This signing isn't, it, it isn't a scrub, you know. This isn't a guy that is a camp body that you know is going to be cut. This guy is actually okay, you know. He, he may not be the best punter in the league, but he has a decent leg. And, you know, that's something to be considered, you know. And, and I think if anything... The reason why this doesn't 
the reason why he's cut, Johnny Hecker's cut, it's because financial reasons. And that's why I'm a little nervous. I, I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to happen, but it would not surprise me. I'll I'll leave it at that. Yeah, you. if you cut Hecker, you'd save a lot of money. You know, the Rams are cap-strapped. Uh, it's certainly some fun tea leave readings, but, you know, yeah, ultimately, I think the Hecker's been here so long, I think he's going to stay here. And if they were ever to cut him, like, I think you'd see a restructure before a cut. He probably doesn't want to leave. I don't know. <laughs> but I love kicker competitions of any type, so I'm all for it. Um <laughs> Anyway, we'll get more drafts up on the next pod. Johnny, you got anything before we wrap up? Uh, just uh, just looking forward to the NFL draft. And, yeah, I, I, it's a good time of year until uh, till the season actually starts because uh, it after the draft, it'll be just a dry wasteland of nothing. Yep. Yeah, we're going to milk it for as long as we can. Uh, I've been promising guests to come on and talk about the draft. I, I promise I'm working on it. Uh, hopefully we'll get one on next week's show uh, to talk about it before the draft comes up, and we'll definitely get someone on after the draft to talk about the process we get. Uh, but for now, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Cerrero, at Johnny at Talker Rams. Uh, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already, and we will talk to you guys soon. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that we're going to see him soon. You feel me?